You are listening to the Business Society Podcast, formerly known as Think Like a CFO. The Business Society is a podcast for entrepreneurs and business owners, where we talk all about what it means to be an entrepreneur and manage the money in your business and personal life. I'm your host, Melissa Houston, and I am a CPA with over 20 years of experience working with entrepreneurs just like you. And I am here to share my knowledge and love of all things business. Check out my blog at thebusinesssociety.co and make sure you check out my articles at forbes.com. Health Aid is aiming to take the stigma out of gut health. With the onset of COVID, there was a spike in search for gut health and even studies linking gut health to immunity and mood. Yet many still feel uncomfortable talking about gut health or associate it with digestive disorders. With this campaign, HealthAid is hoping to educate consumers in an easy-to-understand, entertaining format. Dinah Trout is here today to talk to us about her progression of building HealthAid from the ground up to the successful business that it is today. Hey, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you here. Now, for listeners out there, my fellow Canadian listeners, Dinah is Canadian. She's from Calgary, so that's pretty exciting. So, Dinah, you have a company called Health Aid, and I would love to hear more about this fantastic company that you've built. Thank you. Sure. Health Aid is a company based in Los Angeles. We currently make a really good kombucha. We like to think it's the best kombucha you can buy. But overall, Health Aid is meant to be a platform beverage company that cares a lot about gut health and wants to create products that support gut health and wants to close the gap on, there's a lot of knowledge gap right now on gut health, but we, we want to close that and educate consumers. And it's it's been around for about nine years. We started it in the farmer's markets in 2012. We being my husband, my best friend and me, we had very little experience, very little money, but a whole lot of drive to bring real healthy, healthier foods to the commercial shelf and do it on our own terms and build a company we could be proud of. So it started really as a dream and it's been an awesome journey since all three of us are still operating the business. We're in about 45,000 stores now in the US, got about 200 employees. And last year we did a little over 200 million in retail sales. We've actually entered Canada now too, which was like a dream come true to buy it in my local Loblaws area. So yeah. Okay. Good to know. Cause that was one of my questions too. Cause I'm like, cause I, I know that you're distributed in Whole Foods as well. Are they in Canada for Whole Foods too? Not all of them. Some we've really just okay. launched Canada in the last few months. So you'll start to see it trickle in. If it's not in your stores just yet, it'll start. Perfect. I don't, I can't remember when kombucha, kombucha, is that how you say it? Kombucha? I can't remember when it started getting popular. Did you start your business before, you know, the big popularity of the drink or did that come after? You know, I think we started at the beginning of the wave, but we didn't, we didn't pave the path, you know, like we weren't the first brand by any means. I would say there was, you could buy kombucha on the shelf in LA for sure, but let's just say in most of the US, you could buy it on the shelf at least five years before HealthAid showed up, 10, 11 years in LA. So it certainly wasn't like we were the first ones. But I think at the same time, when we were selling kombucha in 2012, at least half of our consumers had no idea what it was. So and then after that, it really started to pick up in momentum and people really started flocking to the category. I like to think we we played a part in that, like we contributed to that growth. But at the same time, I think people were just seeking health 
and wellness more and healthier beverages and healthier foods. So it was like we were both looking for each other at the same time. And and after we joined, there was just like this massive wave of growth and appeal to the category. And a lot of brands then subsequently entered the category in the in the following eight years. I mean, it went from like three or four brands where we were included to like, I think there's 98 now. Wow. What is it that drew you to kombucha? So I went to graduate school for nutrition. And so my background is in nutrition, but I'm not your typical nutritionist. Like I really have this philosophy on, I'm more of a holistic nutritionist. So I don't, I'm not somebody that wants you to count your numbers or, or have, you know, specific goals on how much sugar you should eat or shouldn't eat. I'm much more about how food makes you feel and what makes you happy. And that really is what you should do in life. And it was in graduate school that I got into not just that philosophy, but also cooking, fermenting. I was the person that you'd come over in grad school and I'd see, I'd have like random jars on my shelf growing all kinds of interesting things from them <laughs> and then feeding them to my friends, kimchi, sauerkraut, kefir, water kefir, sprouting things and just cooking. Like I just really fell in love with food, cooking with it, dealing with it. So kombucha was one of the things that I made. And it wasn't by any means more important than the other things. I'd mentioned I was holistic and I also felt like I had equal love for all foods, you know, but there was power to fermented foods that I learned in grad school. That was where I met my husband. And when I met him, he was pretty ill. I mean, he was emaciated. He had serious gut issues, couldn't really hold anything down. He was about six one and like 110 pounds to give you a sense. And wow. he was about to go on his third sort of concoction of drugs for life. The first two didn't work to try to heal his gut. They didn't really know what was wrong. He was diagnosed with IBS. And of course, being a wide eyed and bushy tailed, you know, nutritionist, I'm like, I can heal you. You know, I tried introducing things in his to his diet that I thought would be good for his gut, but he couldn't really hold anything down. And it was interesting, because as soon as I gave him kombucha, or kimchi within hours, I'm not even talking days, just within hours, he could eat a meal. No, and I was like, whoa, this stuff is so it, it, there was a moment there for me where I'm like, wow, this stuff is really powerful that it can, you know, work that quickly. Anyway, fast forward to today, Justin is like a healthy, normal, not on drugs man, like no, and he just eats something fermented every couple days. And that's all he has to do. Wow. So it was back then that I got into fermented foods. I wasn't I wasn't by any means like a, you know, an activist or something. I just Came out of grad school realizing gut health is really important. Fermented foods play a really important part. Kombucha is one of those things. And then I went on with my life. I ended up moving to LA. I got another job entirely. I had no idea I was going to start a kombucha brand. Like that was not even in my head yet. It ended up coming to be because in my first job after grad school, I was feeling a little unfulfilled. I was an employee, one of 100,000 people and just not really making the mark I wanted to, started to get this itch to start something on my own, build something I could be proud of. I had this drive to really want to lead people. My husband and my best friend were also feeling something similar for different reasons, but all sort of feeling unfulfilled and ready to start something. And in, in many ways, we had nothing to lose, no mortgage, no kids, no money either. So really nothing to lose. <laughs> we were like, well, what business can we start? And I made a really good kombucha. The funny thing is we didn't end up starting our business thinking we were going to make kombucha. It's funny. Justin was losing his hair a little bit and he wanted to find a natural way to prevent that. And 
we started researching what would regrow hair. And we found out that an ingredient in kombucha, it's called the SCOBY. It's also known as just like the culture. So you can think of it as like the probiotics basically in kombucha. But people use those in parts of the world as a mask on the head and it regrows hair or something. And I'm like, I know how to make kombucha. And so therefore I know how to propagate these cultures. And so we started making a ton of kombucha in my kitchen in, a, in my apartment in LA, not to make the liquid, but to actually make these cultures to ultimately save the world from baldness. So that's actually where the idea started. And we started making a ton of kombucha in order to get all these cultures. But then we had this opportunity to sell in a farmer's market in like three weeks and we needed the money and we were really, you know, itching to start. And I was like, we've got all this kombucha and it's really good. And so we were like, okay, let's do it. This will be a summer project. We'll sell this kombucha. We'll see if people love it. And then whatever money we make, we'll put it back toward the hair loss business. Anyway, that summer had a very different story for us. It was an awesome summer. People lined up down the street to buy our kombucha. We couldn't make enough of it. It was wow. It was- incredible. And so we realized we had landed on something. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. We never ended up putting any scoby on his head. Um, (laughs) So I was going to ask, like, you can't leave us hanging. Did it actually work? But you don't know. You know, he never lost any more hair. So (laughs) I don't know, but we never ended up putting the culture on there. So maybe you just have kombucha. I don't know. (laughs) That's fantastic. So you must have had some challenges starting up a business like that because product-based businesses are pretty difficult. Like they're more challenging than than a service based for sure. I mean, I don't know how challenge how the challenges differ because I've never done service based, but I mean, it was nothing but a challenge. You know, the whole. I mean, even still to today, the way I describe business is basically eighty percent problem solving. But yes, especially in the beginning, it was all just major challenges, especially with how like how to make the product, how to assemble the product. In some ways, selling it is the easiest part. But then you have to figure out how to distribute it. I mean, there's so many pieces to the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you mentioning that, you know, you're you're distributing in Canada. I know that the rules in Canada are a lot harder too, right? They're just different. You know, some okay. are harder, some are easier, but for sure getting the product over any border is a is a big deal. And then of course, there are different laws, so you have to know what those are. But, you know, lucky for, you know, being in this day and age, there's there's agencies now and distributors that like you can essentially engage to help you through all those processes. So like, for example, when we entered in Canada, we hooked up with a distributor over there that like specializes in bringing American products over. So they knew exactly the process, you know, in this window of time, we needed to change our label in these ways. So makes it a lot easier for sure. Yeah, it was, it was definitely easier, but every, but every, there's no step that isn't complex, you know? Now I remember reading that, you know, in the beginning, you, you, like your team, the three of you were making so little money. I think I read you were living off $7 a day. Me and my husband combined $7 a day. It was nuts. Oh, wow. Okay. We had ramen noodle, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And how long did that last for? That was like a good year and a half. Yeah, it was a good year and a half because it was until we got investment and we got investment in the summer of the of the year number two. So in the beginning, yeah, it was really crazy. So in the beginning, how did that look? Because for listeners who are curious to see how you would bring a beverage product to market, you started off in a market. So were you doing a lot of markets over that year and a half or were you starting to grow a little bit more beyond that? It was a little bit of both. We started in two markets 
and well, we started in one and then very quickly two and then three and we stayed at three for a bit. And then we jumped to seven and that became just so cumbersome to do seven markets because they all usually line up on a Sunday. Sometimes it's Yes, Saturday. that's true. Yeah, so it's weekends. Yeah. It was sort of like we had all this equipment we needed for one day. You know, you need seven tents and it became a little bit difficult. And in farmer's markets, you're selling usually one bottle, maybe two, whereas at stores, you're selling cases. So, you know, obviously wholesale started to become attractive and appealing to us. But it was in markets that we actually met our first wholesale customers. So I still think farmer's markets were like very critical to the beginning. And Justin, Vanessa and I would always man a booth. We hired some part-time people like from Craigslist to man the booths um, of the other markets when we had more than three in a day. Basically, Owners of markets, like mom, pop shops, markets, restaurants would be at the farmer's market looking for their food or maybe just with their family. And they would see our product and say, Hey, you know, would you consider selling to our store down the street? And we'd be like, sure. And we would deliver cases. So we sort of started this self distribution operation from the farmer's markets, both to restaurants and businesses, then also to individuals homes who ordered a case or more. Some people were really into kombucha and would get like a case a week. So we would deliver it to their homes. And then eventually not enough cases would fit in our car to do the delivery. So we had to rent a van and we would rent a van on Sundays and pack that thing as tight as it could be and drive all over LA. And the next thing you know, we couldn't do it in one day. We needed two and then we needed three days and then four. So the next thing we're seven days delivering, you know, it kind of grew very organically, but fast. Well, I was going to say, because like... You've been in business, sorry, for, is it seven years now? Nine years. Nine, Nine years. years. Well, still, that's really fast going from, yeah. you know, a year and a half to markets to now you're like in a, is it 45,000 square foot facility with 200 employees? We're even in more than that. We just built 150,000 square feet. So yeah. Wow. That's yeah. huge growth. Yeah, it's been, if I were to use one word, if I could only pick one word for health aids last nine years, it would be growth. I mean, it's wow. been. It's been awesome, right? I mean, what a privilege to have that. But with growth comes, you know, all the challenges that come with growth. It's exactly. It's, and if growth's not managed well, then those challenges could kill the business. Yeah. So we were, we were very worried about going boom splat in the beginning because it was like a hockey stick from, from literally the moment the markets began to year three. It was like you couldn't keep up with it. And we didn't have experience in business either so, and, and no real capital. It, it was really crazy. I mean, I, I feel blessed that we made it through, to be honest, but we did. And we have a lot of people to thank for that, for sure. I mean, investors were an absolute requirement for our level of growth at our size. And I'm not saying it's the way you have to do things, but for us, it was it was the only option and a very necessary option. And I'm very grateful for that because that allowed us to continue to like feed the growth. But we didn't become profitable as a business until like years eight. So last year. I love that you just mentioned that because so many people feel like if they're not making money within the first year or two, then, you know, they're doing something wrong and then they would pack up and be done with it. Right. So tell me how you managed to keep going and keep your mindset in check and the whole bit if it took you eight years to turn a profit. <laughs> well, um, you know, I don't know that my mind was like centered, but yeah, it was, it was really hard. I mean, part of the, I think part of what helped was having investors that were used to this, you know, I don't want to call it a game, but they were used to beverage. We had no idea what the beverage industry was, right? We just made a kombucha and started at the farmer's markets. And then we kind of happened to find ourselves in the beverage 
industry, but they knew that the typical beverage brand takes 10 years to be profitable. They knew. Oh, okay. This is common knowledge. Okay. Yeah. They knew that it takes money to grow. They knew that you got to, you know, fund that up front and that it's a land grab. I mean, what's interesting about categories that are about to get like hot, so to speak, like kombucha did is it's very much a land grab. Like there's only so much shelf space in the store. If there's one brand there, typically categories in beverage find themselves around three brands in a category on a shelf. That's like kind of in the end where it like shakes out. And then you've got maybe some other alternatives, but like for the most part, it's like Coke, Pepsi, Sprite. And for kombucha, that had not yet been defined. And so there was one guy on the shelf who was like the one that had been there 11 years. And suddenly 98 brands, you know, come for those other two spots. So it very much was who's going to get to New York the fastest. I remember the opportunity we had to enter the New York City market. Obviously, it's a huge opportunity. Mm -hmm. We're in L.A., That's about as far as you can get from, you know, from one city to another in the U.S. So it didn't really make sense that way. We didn't have any individuals there, employees. And so it sort of didn't make sense to launch in New York, but we couldn't say no because if we said no, our opportunity might go away. The other thing that makes New York even tougher is kombucha is a refrigerated product. So it requires refrigerated distribution, another added complexity. But in New York, there's all kinds of rules about the city of Manhattan. You can only have certain trucks on the road, certain hours. If they're refrigerated, they have certain weight capacity limitations. So like there, there's all kinds of complexities that basically reduce the number of trucking companies in New York that have refrigerated distribution for beverage to three. So like if you don't get one of those three, you're not getting in New York. Okay. And of course, when you sign a deal with one of these guys, you sign an exclusive deal. So they can't pick up any other kombucha. So it's competitive too. So anyway, for those reasons, you're like, yes, when an opportunity comes your way to go to New York, which it did for us in year three, a little earlier than I think we would have naturally gone there. We were like, yes, we have to take it because this is one of the three distributors that services the Manhattan market and one of them's already taken. So it's one of the last two. And I am so grateful we did that. You know, not surprisingly in New York, we're, we're one of the top brands now and the other people can't get in. Business is, is very, you know, this business has been very much about capitalizing on those opportunities and figuring out how to make it happen. You do have to bootstrap, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And even when you're scared, you just figure out a way to do it anyways, right? I should tattoo that on my face. (laughs) Now I hear that on May 24th, there's a rebrand. Yes. It's like a refreshing of the brand. Refresh. Thank you. So I'd love to hear about this refresh. In the year of COVID, we didn't market as much. I think a lot of brands didn't. And instead we took this time to really look at our consumers and try to understand them better. And also consumers that we wanted to engage we wanted to understand them better too. So we did, we took the time and, and, and sort of allocated the money a little differently than we had planned and focused on understanding what does this consumer know about kombucha? What do they like? What do they not like? What do they know about gut health? And what we learned out of this year was really telling. And it's really the reason that we, we, we formulated this campaign. What we learned is that within the world of kombucha, the kombucha consumers, while they love it, and maybe even buy it six, seven, eight times a week, they don't know what the benefits are, or they don't even know what it's doing for their gut. And they don't even know what their gut health does for the rest of the body. Like there was a huge gap in knowledge, even with the engaged consumer. And that really surprised us. And then with the consumer we wanted to engage, that was even bigger. You know, they didn't know what kombucha was. They didn't know what probiotics were. They didn't know how they impacted your gut. 
They didn't know how gut health impacted the rest of your health. I mean, there was just like a complete, I would say, lack of knowledge on gut health and what it does for your body. Most people, when you ask them, what does gut health mean to you? They think of, and I'm sorry to be a bit crude here, but they think of, you know, (laughs) good and bad bowel movements. It's like, that's it. And there's a lot of knowledge though, and science out there indicating that gut health is not just an important role, but even a primary role in so many parts of our health. And like consumers didn't know this part. So there was just like this major gap. And so we saw this huge opportunity with our consumers and with future consumers and just with people overall to like close that gap, lean into gut health. We felt perfectly poised to be the brand to do this because we already had a really popular kombucha. I'm a nutritionist, right? We Our brand is called Health Aid. You know, it feels like we could be a platform brand that very much just leans into gut health and 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 like wants to unlock the power of the gut for people through an education campaign that educates about gut health and then about how certain products can support gut health and what that means to you. All of that essentially came together to propose a beautiful sort of opportunity. And we said, we're going to take it. And so we, we felt that for us to really do this right, for us to really be like the champion of gut health, you know, our goal is to be a brand that when you see us, you think gut health. And then maybe you even think gut health is so much more than just what's in my belly. It's driving 90% of my mood every day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, our gut says 10 times more to our brain than our brain says to our gut. It's like way more in charge than we realize. Maybe it drives 75 to 85% of our immunity. There's no other system in our body that drives immunity that much. Our energy is driven from our gut health. And then of course, metabolism, blood sugar, all these things factor into like how you feel every day. And it's just like crazy because maybe, maybe, maybe you find this to be true, but I found that it's the, it's the single sort of part of our bodies that we like abuse the most, you know, <laughs> like, you know, we'll take care of our like brains and, and stuff, but like not our guts. So we want to change that. So the refresh is, it starts of course with the bottle and the package and it's, but every single thing we did has a strategic purpose and it's all driving toward us trying to close this gap in knowledge on gut health and unlock the power of the gut for people and, and explain what kombucha is so that people will really understand why they're drinking it and maybe even attract a few people, more people to, to drink it. And then even beyond that, we plan on expanding our portfolio outside of kombucha to other gut health supportive products. So we've got a product launching this summer that's going to be a little bit more mainstream. It'll taste more like a soda and it's going to be way healthier than that. You know, it'll support the gut because it'll have a ton of prebiotics in it, but it's only going to have five grams of sugar and it's all natural, no stevia, nothing like that. So, you know, we plan on expanding our portfolio as well to support this this new mission. Nice. Okay, because kombucha and what you just described, it sounds like they taste very, very different. Yeah. So the kombucha tastes like, have you ever had it? I have, and I'm not like a big fan. I don't know if it's because I haven't drank the right brand because I've tried it maybe once or twice and I was just like, no. Yeah. You know, it's possible it's not the right brand. I would say try Health Aid. Um, yeah, I know. And, and I'm getting some delivered to me and I cannot okay. wait to try it. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, you know, we pride ourselves on making a really good kombucha. So I want you to try Health Aid before you made your opinion. But 
It is. It is. Well, no, actually, as I'm listening to you, sorry, as I'm listening to you, I'm like, I really got to start drinking this. So you're definitely, you know, bringing in a new customer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is. It's a bit of an acquired taste. It's kind of like the first time you tried beer. You know, you may have not liked it, but then, you know, you learn. But now I love beer. Exactly. It's the sweeter. And a lot of fermented foods have that characteristic. You know, the first time you have Greek yogurt, it might be like really weird because it's super sour and it's like creamy. But then next thing you know, you're having it every day. Kombucha might be that for you. Kombucha tastes, it's sparkly. For those listening, it's it's a sparkling beverage. It's a little bit sweet. It's a little bit tart. It has like apple cider vinegary notes, even though it doesn't have apple cider vinegar in it, but it's just got those vinegary notes. And those are all the acids that have developed in fermentation that are actually healthy for you. And then it's chock full of probiotics as well. So there's two healthy things in kombucha. It's probiotics and then these organic acids that develop in fermentation. And both of these things are very supportive to organ health and gut health. And it's naturally low in sugar. And then it just sort of makes you feel feel good. People drink it and they're like, oh, this got me from lunch to dinner and like kind of changed my mood a bit. So you might find if you're like me that you, you can't go a day without it. Like I, I go to my three o'clock drink every day is kombucha. And if I don't have it, I notice it. The other drink I mentioned, it's called Health Aid Pop and it'll be launching this summer like I said, it's a, it's a good for you soda. So it's meant to be a different product and hopefully can get people to move away from their diet Cokes and Cokes to something that tastes just as full, but doesn't have any chemicals in it and is actually good for you. Like it's more than just not bad for you. It's good for you. That one's got prebiotics in it. And prebiotics are also supportive of your microbiome. Both prebiotics and probiotics are important. So yeah, and we plan on expanding even outside from there, maybe even beyond beverage. Well, that sounds absolutely fantastic. You've built quite the business. Now, Keeping in mind that listeners are entrepreneurs, what last words of business advice would you like to leave listeners with today? It's the tagline for our product. So I don't mean to be cheesy, but it is also the tagline for my life and my mantra for business. It's follow your gut. There really is no guidebook. You already know that being a founder. But even as business grows, there are a million ways to do things. And you can get every opinion in the room and you'll get a million opinions. And so what that should tell you is that there is no, there is no right way and your way could be exactly the right way. And so my advice is always to, of course, learn and seek to understand what, you know, what opinions are out there, but you hold the paintbrush to paint the canvas and you've got to f- tap into that intuition of yours and pick and pick and decide and then go forward, you know, like follow your gut. The more we can tap into what your intuition is telling you, the more we can tap into the manifestation of this business, which really is yours. It's your art piece. Anyway, so that's always my advice. I love it. That's really, really good advice. So I cannot thank you enough for being on the show with us today. Listeners are definitely going to want to reach out to you and your product. Can you tell us where people can find you? Sure, of course healthaid.com. So that's health-ade.com. On Instagram, it's at healthaid. And then personally, I'm at Dinah Trout, D-A-I-N-A Trout. And 
on my Instagram, you'll see a lot of, you know, founder related stuff. I'm often talking about the perils and challenges and rewards also of being a founder and a mother. I usually pile those two together because that's a whole added thing. That's fantastic. So I'm going to leave those links in the show notes as well. So people will have easy access to them. Thank you again so much for, for joining us on the show today. Yes. Thank you so much, Melissa. Thanks for listening to the Business Society Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with someone you think would love it. Until next time, I'm Melissa Houston. And never forget, nobody will ever care about your money as much as you do. So never give your financial power away. Thank you.